to the Surveyor Hub podcast with me, Marion Ellis. And today I'm talking to Davina Goodchild from Lionheart. And before you switch off, because we're talking about charity, I'd really urge you to listen to what she says. I think we can learn an awful lot from Davina and how Lionheart is run as an organisation, how they bring well-being into the, the work they do, but also as a surveyor, whatever stage you are of your career, you might find it really useful to know the services they offer and the insights that they've had. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to rate, review and follow and do share it with um, other people you know who might find it interesting. So welcome to the podcast, Davina. It's great to have you on. Oh, Thank you um, very much. Am I recording? Yes, I am. I think it said, yeah, <laughs> I think it said when I joined, this is recording. <laughs> yeah. Be the expert podcaster here. Um, yeah. I'm glad to, um, pleased to have you on because I've, we've bumped into each other a few times. Oh, yeah. Things, but we've never had a good old chinwag, have we? No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of things I'd like to, to chat to you about. Um so for those who are listening and um, who have no idea who you are, could you just introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm um, Davina, Davina Goodchild, and I'm the chief executive of Lionheart, which is the benevolent organisation for RICS professionals. And uh, so there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but I think the first thing I want to say is a thank you. Oh. Because I don't know whether you get a thank you either personally and also <laughs> all of your uh, amazing people that work for you but we're really you know we always say we're lucky to have lion hearts and it's our safety nets and mm-hmm. uh, and all of those things but having experienced support from you myself having referred lots of surveyors that I work with you know and have come across to to lion heart it really does make a difference and it helps right. us not just in our careers and in our lives so I want to just start by saying thank you because I don't know whether you oh I mean, that's you, you, really lovely. you know that but whether you really really know that <laughs> that's so nice that's so nice Do you know I was talking to one of our support staff off earlier I won't mention their name because they'll be embarrassed but she'd called me to say I'm really embarrassed but somebody has asked for your number to say thank you and I said to her don't be embarrassed that's why you're here I mean it's amazing she said that uh, this person had told her that she'd changed his life and that he'd you know he'd been in a really tough place and that she'd worked with him and this was just like literally a couple of hours ago um so people do say thank you they do um and you know we get messages all of the time uh and to be honest with you that's that's a bonus it's lovely to hear thank you but I think all of us I think everybody that works at Lionheart the thing that's important to us is that we can do that. It's just such an amazing place to work where you can, you know, you can make a difference. Even if you're not like one of our support officers who called me earlier, even if you work in the finance team or you work in a different team, you know that you're contributing to those people that, that you know, use our services and that we have made a difference to. So, you know, it's... um. It's great that we can do that. And that's thanks enough for us, really. One of the, um, you say that though, but I think for a lot of people, unless they've experienced it, they don't know the difference. 
no that, that's true that help mm. you know uh, that help can make or the coaching or the counseling no, or whatever it is that, that, is that you offer mm. and a lot of surveyors that I come across you know I always say it's in your back pocket sign up to the newsletter we'll put the link and everything in the mm-hmm. in the show notes uh, you know but sign up just get curious about what they do because when you're on the floor and having a really tough time yeah you know it, it's great that someone can reach out to you and say contact Lionheart they can help you with you know all sorts of things or just someone to talk to about it um, but you need to know about it before it gets to that point you know, and, and to understand what, oh, what's you know, so for everybody mm-hmm. listening, you know, if you're a surveyor, you know, whatever, wherever you are on your, your journey, then then sign up and just get curious about, about what Lionheart yeah. does. And um, uh, let's talk about first about, I think, for, for the listeners, what Lionheart actually is and, and what mm-hmm. it does. Um, I remember about, must be about 13 years ago now. I was um, quite heavily pregnant and my uh, office that I worked with at the time were getting rid of some books, some uh, of their library. And they oh, had right. all of these old RICS, sort of like A5 journals and transcripts uh, yeah, and, yeah. and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them go back to like 110 years old, something like Gosh. that, 120 years old. Um, so I waddled in. And, and a few years ago, I had a and when I had some time, I had a good look and a, and a flick through. And I was looking for something on Irene Barclay, the first female surveyor, which I didn't oh, find. Right. But what I did find was a little leaflet uh, which talked about the Benevolent Fund. And I think oh, it wow. was about 1935 and Oh, how amazing. Wow. And it, it was, you know, it was the numbers of the money they had in, who the mm-hmm. donations were from and how much they'd given Mm-hmm. But there was a lovely little paragraph at the end that said something like, you know, we've donated some money to a student um, whose father was a, a chartered surveyor, died in the, the war, I think, the, the First World War, you know, and he's now just qualified as a surveyor. And you just think it was, you know, it was, you know, it was obviously like an annual report of some kind, but then mm-hmm. squeezed in this, you know, actually this makes yeah. a difference. And it was really lovely to see. So so for people who who don't know about Line of Heart, how did it come about? And what, ah. and what is a benevolent fund? Let's talk about that. Oh, gosh. Well, it came about because a group of chartered surveyors in the latter part of the, now let's see if I can get my centuries right, in the latter part of the 19th century, so that would be 1899, <laughs> got together and um, they must have probably been inspired by other benevolent organisations and wanted to support, I think mostly back then, it was the surviving partner, so the widow of charter surveyors who'd passed away um, and hadn't, you know, hadn't built up their finances enough for that widow to have a good life after they passed away. So that's how it started. Um, Very um, paternalistic kind of, you know, very um, benevolent. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose yeah. the clue's in the name, isn't it? It's about benevolence. So that's how it that's how it started. A group of chartered surveyors getting together, and benevolent funds tend to be well, they are. They tend to be um, for a particular group, and the fundraising happens from that particular group. So that's the that's the biggest difference between most benevolent funds and other charities now there are some benevolent funds where the fundraising is is um open to the public you know so many people buy a poppy that's effectively that's a benevolent fund but those are there are fewer of those 
um, then there are the kind of traditional benevolent funds like Lionheart, which are for a particular type of um, kind of job or occupation. Yeah. yeah, so it's for surveyors, by surveyors. Yes, exactly. That's it. And, one of, yeah. and one of the things I found when I read through these um, old journals, you know, we you know we talk about modus or we don't talk about modus, depending <laughs> on how everybody's feeling about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, rather than just talk, you know, um, share industry news, it was actually much more personal. Mm. You know, I found poetry in there. You know, oh, people wow. were sharing their life experiences. And as I looked through the journals that I had through the First World War, it was very much, you know, very poignant. You know, the, mm, the widows, the families. Mm. Uh, and there was also lines. I remember reading a line that said, you know, how are we going to value? You know, the men are not coming back. What's going to yeah, happen? Right. Oh, gosh, you know, and right. we can't even comprehend any of that in our in our lifetimes now mm. but it was really really poignant and, and for me I've always thought surveying is yes it's about property and building but it's actually very much about people and that was a yeah. real reminder for me as I as I um, yeah I mean it, that was a surprise to me when I started working at Lionheart that aspect of of surveying I didn't know anything about surveyors or surveying or any I mean literally nothing and I still don't know a massive amount um but I know more than I did um, but yes, that was one of the things that struck struck me when I when I started working at Lionheart. My background was youth work and young people and charities that worked with young people. So it's completely different for me and, and completely new. Um, and it was meeting, well, first of all, it was meeting the trustees who were all chartered surveyors, who were people person people. And I was quite surprised actually. I was I was a bit, yeah, I was, I was surprised because I thought, well, it was all it was all about numbers. And, you know, sort of, um, yeah, very, very serious. It's all about the rules and the numbers and the, you know. And and so I was very surprised by just how absolutely lovely, to be honest, <laughs> the people that I met were, you know. You, you lucked out, didn't you? I, well, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, I did. Let yeah. me ask you about, about your um, about your career. So you said you had a background in, was it working with homeless? And tell me a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, so I started volunteering when I was very young. I think it was about 16. And I volunteered at the school that I used to go to. And I just got really passionate about volunteering. So then when I went to university and I did a degree in philosophy, <laughs> which, you know, it's probably not very much use to anybody, really. But um, it was great fun. But I did lots and lots and lots of volunteering when I was at uni. Loads. I pretty much volunteered for any volunteering opportunity that was going. I volunteered. And I wound up um, volunteering in um, what was called a therapeutic community for young people. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was run by an organisation called the Richmond Fellowship. Um, and... I volunteered there and then they took me on as a sort of casual paid worker and I just really enjoyed working I was a young person myself you know I was only what 19 I think back then um but I just really enjoyed working with groups of young people and with young people individually and then when I graduated obviously a philosophy degree doesn't necessarily get you a job <laughs> what got me in my jobs was my experience of volunteering so I then did lots of different roles with young people, mostly young people. Um, so young homeless people, I worked in a secure unit for a while with some young offenders. I worked with um, people coming out of, um, out of prison, 
young offenders coming out of prison. And then I worked with young volunteers for um, a period of time. That was, I love that. That was amazing. And I wound up running a national youth organization, which was about youth volunteering, youth led volunteering. So it was about groups of young people coming together, seeing something that they thought needed fixing or some kind of campaign they wanted to work on and helping them to do that. So um, the organization I ran was called the Youth Action Network. Um, and then that closed and we merged with another national in 2011. And that's how I ended up here because at that time I hadn't applied for a job for a very long time. It was about, I think about six years. And somebody sent me a job, sent me the job as a sort of a bit of, to be honest with you, it was a bit tongue in cheek. It was a bit like, look at this weird charity, it's chartered surveyors. You ever thought they needed, you know, a charity? And I applied partly because I, well, one, I was a bit intrigued, but mostly because I hadn't applied for a job for a long time. And I just thought oh, it's good to get into the habit of writing an application form. And I was just really chuffed when I got an interview. So I went to the interview and then I met some of the staff team. I was hook, line and sinker after that, honestly, because the passion that they had for helping people and the open approach they had to helping people and the fact that the funding was completely different from how it used to be when I worked at Youth Action Network was very restricted funding. This funding, you know, the, the fact that we all of our income comes from donations means it's much more freeing. You can you can spend that money as long as you're meeting your charitable aims. You're much more free in how you can spend that. And I was blown away. I just thought it was amazing. And I didn't know anything about benevolent funds either and benevolent organisations. And I learned all about that and thought that was amazing. So when I got the job, I was very, very excited, but also very scared. <laughs> so, so did you cut you came straight in at the top as CEO? Yeah. Yeah, wow, well that's done right. you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I, yes, I went from ask. CEO of a national youth to CEO of an international benevolent charity. Yeah, let me ask you about that because, you know, we often talk about women not having the confidence mm. to go for the big jobs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there's you just rocking up. Well, yeah. I don't know something about this, but I'm going to give it uh, a go. And I'm sure it was much yeah. more in-depth um, that, by that, but, but about that, the... But even though as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking what a wealth of experience and life experience with people that yeah. you've got, you know, to to get to that point. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure with, with that kind of work, you've mentioned the restrictions, you know, you've got to work within a set of rules and there's a lot of um, regulation and guidance around it. Oh, yeah. Like we have a surveying, you've got you've got the same. Yeah. The Charity Commission. Yeah, absolutely. But there are many and female CEOs, you know. Well, there are. Great. In, there are in the voluntary sector, not as many. I mean, it's still not equal, um, but there are more in the voluntary sector. I mean, the voluntary, I've, I've worked in the voluntary, apart from a, a brief stint in McDonald's when I was 16, <laughs> my, my uh, career has been within the voluntary sector. And there are more women, definitely, um, because I suppose it's seen as a caring profession and, you know, working within the voluntary sector is seen as a, that sort of um, environment. So there are more women anyway. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was at the time it it felt quite brave. I, I did feel like I was being brave, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You put um, a big girl I, pants on. Yeah, Davina. exactly that. <laughs> yeah, I did because I'd gone from 
you know, I knew youth work inside out. I knew youth funding inside out. And I knew how to run a youth charity. But this charity was completely different. You know, I knew how to apply for bids, write fund, funding bids, you know, and I'd ne never really done any, um, you know, donation from donations from the public fund type fundraising. So that was completely new to me. Mm. Um, never had never done that before. But yeah, it just as soon honestly, as soon as I met the staff team, it just felt like it was well, obviously meant to be. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that motivates you, isn't it? You know, I can I can understand how working with youth and I see it with the um you know, the young surveyors that I come across, mm. they've got that enthusiasm and that fizz for the work, the energy. Absolutely. And I think, yes, I want to be like you again, but I'm not yeah. I'm older. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you get that energy yeah. from them. But the motivation that you then get and, and what it sounds like you have when you joined was people who care and a place yes. that you where you feel fit and you're all heading in the right direction. You've Absolutely. got a common purpose and we're all motivated by it. Absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, what were some of the challenges then as you as you came into that for you and perhaps for the, the business? What were the, you know, well, I can't I imagine mean, running, being a CEO of a business like this is an easy ride. No, it's not. I mean, there are always challenges with charities. There always are. That's just because of the nature of the, the business. I mean, at first, I think because my background, I mean, I used to wear trainers and jeans. That was my uniform. And then I came to Lionheart and obviously the people we helped were quite smart and business-like. Um, and so I felt, I remember going and buying a whole new wardrobe, like high heels and sort of business suits and all of that. And then over time, I sort of realised, well, actually, no, we're still a charity, you know. So I don't, I don't need to, those, those, some of those edges got rubbed off a little bit. It didn't take that long, really, for that to happen. But... Yeah, it took a little oh, bit of I'm a while. Here for... wearing, I'm stood here wearing my trainers, do you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the turned exactly. again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it I think it took a bit of time for me to sort of get used to a different set of trustees because my previous trustees were all youth workers like me. So, you know, at board meetings, we would get the post-it notes out or, you know, we'd sometimes get really creative with some clay and stuff like that. <laughs> but trying to... Trying to instigate some of that with the trustees that I inherited actually to be honest some of the trustees now that I have now I, I think they would be okay if I got my post-it notes and my straws and my you know whatever out and, <laughs> and said let's do an exercise I think they'd probably go for it but um not at the time when I when I joined um and the challenge is really is that any challenge for any charities balancing you know being able to reach the people you want to reach finding them them finding you you know um awareness is that is still our biggest challenge it's a huge challenge people just knowing that we're here knowing what we're here for remembering us when they do need something or even if they don't need something remembering we've got something to offer every chartered surveyor doesn't matter what they're doing doesn't matter what their circumstances are you might not be at all facing a challenge but you might be interested in some of our webinars you know um, so that's that's one one challenge, and then of course you've got the fundraising challenge. It's always a challenge because you've constantly got to you can't rest on your laurels. You've got constantly be got got to be asking for donations to keep the charity going for the future. And as, and as anybody who's tried to sell raffle tickets for the PTA at yeah. school, 
<laughs> yeah. raising money. It is hard work. It is. Yeah, it is hard work. And you just, I think because I'm, I've worked in charities for the whole career, I don't, it doesn't bother me asking people for money. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm quite happy to do it. And I'm quite happy if people say no. I don't feel awkward or anything like that. But I think some people might, you know, some people are new to charities or new to fundraising. They might find that a little bit awkward. But, you know, we do an amazing, it's great because we do amazing work. So I don't, I don't feel at all like I'm, I can't think of the expression. I guess it's justified, just, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Justified, feel, you know. Yeah. And maybe that's, that's the, you know, you mentioned awareness. And I think that's where the gap perhaps is between people knowing who Lion Heart are, what they do, mm-hmm. and how is that relevant to me as yes. a member of the RICS? Because it's not just chartered mm. surveyors, it's people who are yeah, members. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, you're I'm, right. I'm paying members. Mm-hmm. And also, am I right in thinking, even if you've retired, you oh, know, yeah. or you're a surveyor for only a, a short oh, time, yeah, then you still life. get access to the, mm-hmm. the, the services. Yeah, and so do. that's the thing, isn't it? Being able to articulate that as to yes. how is this relevant for me because I'm not having a breakdown right now no exactly <laughs> you know, I don't need your help right now yeah uh, but you know but you might in the future or your family might have some challenges you don't know what what might be might be coming up um, but and that's why I think this you know the awareness piece is is key but it's a tough sell to sell a charity it, to people yeah isn't it? It, yes it is a bit because like you say nobody ever thinks they're going to be in that position and, I, you know, I always think to myself, I'd love to go to an event. I'd love it. If I went to an event and I did a, I did a talk um, and everyone in, in the audience said, yeah, we know. And I didn't hear someone come up to me afterwards. Every single time I go to an event, this happens every time without fail. Someone will come up to me after go, afterwards and go, oh, if I'd known a few years ago, I would, oh, you could have really helped me a few. I could have done with you a few years ago. I find that so frustrating. I'd love to go somewhere and not hear that. You know, this is where I think we all have a responsibility. And if I think about, you know, the young surveyors that I was, mm. or newly qualified surveyors that I was that I just mentioned, you know, I see it almost as my duty to, and that's why I'm a line ambassador to say, get on the mailing mm-hmm. list, go and have a look yes. and see see what's there, be be part of it. Because um, there is a real community feel, I think. Yeah, it belongs. Heart it too. belongs to you as our ICS professionals. It does. I mean, you know, we're an independent charity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're company, reg- but actually, we belong to the profession. We do. That's what we're here for. We, you know, we listen to you. We respond to you. Everything we do is for you. We're your, we're your charity. So yeah, absolutely. It's great to have your support and the support of all the ambassadors and anybody that ever retweets or you know <laughs> or goes on LinkedIn and from um, and likes and all of that really helps because it just that, means think, it spreads that voice and that voice is a it bit does, yeah and I think that's the thing you know that there's a range from you know you know giving big donations and fundraising yeah. all the way through to a like a share absolutely uh, a nudge that that's still Mm -hmm. contributing um in terms of um funding and and fundraising I know there's a few different activities that you do and I um you know I've been following Mm. the um the two surveying firms who are doing a bike race (laughs) at Route 66 yeah Yeah. Uh I mean Mm. what are the creative ways or what's been successful or what do you struggle with oh the different ways are you all give it a go let's see yeah I think pretty much yeah if people come to us with an idea 
yeah, we'll support them. I mean, many when I started working at Lionheart, we had these big, quite formal events. So there was one in Birmingham that was a quiz, and there was one up, up north, which was a kind of talent show, I think. Um, and they the years many years ago, they made lots and lots and lots of money. But I think over the years, they get got less popular. And so they didn't make quite so much money. Um, so, that, you know, if people wanted to do those again, we probably wouldn't say no, but we might just do them in a different way. So we, whatever, there are loads of things going on. So there's golf, there are golf competitions that go on. There are lots of football things that happen and they ha they're quite low key. So the people involved in them, they do them year on year without really any hoo-ha. They just kind of get on with it locally and do their thing and then send us the money. It's amazing, really, because they don't they don't make a big fuss. Um, and they just do it. It's kind of quiet, stealth fundraising, really. And we try and promote as much as we can. Um, but sometimes we only hear about it when we get the check. Yeah. <laughs> so they tell us afterwards, oh, we did this thing and we think, oh, we could have helped you promote it. But which is a know, nice surprise. Great. But yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's that awareness piece that, mm. that comes with it. I know in the, yeah. the Surveyor Hub last year, um, or no, earlier on this year, we uh, had a bit of an auction to sell some of Malcolm Hollis's oh, books. Yes. Uh -huh, yeah. You know, and mm. uh, there are lots of different ways that you can that you can get yeah, involved and, absolutely. And, and, and contribute. But it all yeah. it's absolutely vital and it all mm. really makes a difference doesn't it oh it does Let's just, just talk yeah. about some of the, the the services that you you offer I think that when I first came across um Lionheart I actually attended an event um I think it was a John O'Halloran oh yeah yeah mental health uh -huh. event I'm not quite sure how, yep. it, how it came about mm -hmm. um which was an eye-opener uh, for right, me yeah um and and uh for people who don't no, he was a surveyor who um, sadly committed suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a shock to his family, oh, others, yeah. isn't it? But it and they yes. they put together with Lionheart's help a, a symposium. That's right. That's right. Uh, and it, it opened up a com conversation about mental Absolutely. health. And yes, you know, as we as we record this now, we're in 2022. We've just mm. been through a global pandemic. I'm talking about mental yeah. health more than we than mm -hmm. we ever have. Um, but it's still something that's quite stigmatized oh yeah you know, we uh, we mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy but tell me some of the other, other things that that Lionheart does and offers right so we have I would say we have two main services and the so the the one that most people know about is our helpline um so most people know that they can ring us if they need support but then that's probably where their knowledge ends and they don't know what they can access through that helpline so um what will happen if I just take it right through from the start? So what will happen is someone phones our helpline. It's not like a great big call center. We've got three people answering the phone with names. They're real people with lots of experience and they're amazing. So Tracy, Ben or Claire will pick up the phone and just listen for that first call. That first call can sometimes it can be up to an hour and even more because quite often it's the first time the person who's calling has spoken to anybody other than probably their family, um, about whatever it is they're bringing. So then from then on, they'll only need to speak to that person. So you know how sometimes you phone somewhere 
and then you've got to phone them back and you've got to repeat all of the details all over again and it can be really tedious yeah, so yeah. once you've phoned, phoned Lionheart you'll speak to the same person and it'll be that same person helping and that's you. important because it builds a relationship but it's also trust absolutely absolutely so and then what they'll do is they'll work with you to figure out well what kinds of things can we offer that are going to be helpful sometimes it's as simple as just someone to check in with so that you'll have a call every couple of weeks just to talk to you just someone to talk to like a mate really like a friend who you can just go oh this has happened you know uh, and, and get some support and maybe some advice so that's probably the most basic thing you, you would get and then you can access our other services so the one that most people know that we do is our grants so we've got two types of grant we've got an emergency grant um, and those are for well it is what it says so emergency situations things like fires floods and actually we've recently helped people in ukraine with our emergency grant um, and they're designed to be they're not means tested at all they're just we check that you're a chartered surveyor and we check that the thing that you say has happened has happened so whether it be fire flood or whatever it is um, and then we send you some money really quickly and I think those grants are of about a thousand pounds and they're designed to get you through those first few days and weeks after that whatever it is that accident or whatever it is that's happened um, so that's the first type of grant the second type of grant is an ongoing grant um, and they can be paid for up to two years and they really are for when some kind of circumstances changed in your life. So you're not working, maybe it's due to ill health or you've been made redundant um, or it could be that you're off on long term sick and your pay has run out. You know, it, it doesn't ma doesn't really matter what the reason is, if you see what I mean. If you've had something happen and it has changed your finances significantly for the worse, um, it's, it is means tested. So we look at what you've got coming in, we look at what you've got going out, um, there's a calculation we use, and then we pay those grants up to two years. There is a cap, I think it's around £6,000, I think, for a single person, and then obviously gets more mm. added as the family is bigger. And it, and it does make a difference, and I'm sure she won't mind me, me sharing, I did a uh, when I did the Women in Surveying Summit a couple of years ago, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine, uh, Rebecca, her child was born with serious medical life-changing conditions. Mm -hmm. And I think two days later, she got her RICS fees oh, <laughs> demand. Right. And yeah. she phoned them up and said, look, I, I cannot. My career's mm -hmm. over. And they referred her to Lionheart. That's great. She had the support. She had the counselling. Um, right. she works in building control now you know she's uh, right, got, gone on good. to get a successful career her child mm -hmm. is is fine you know but it was at that Fabulous. point when she when she needed it but again she mm. she didn't didn't know about it so it's it's stuff that really makes a difference you mentioned yeah. Ukraine and I think that's something people don't necessarily realize or they forget you know we talk about RICS and their global domination mm. but actually <laughs> international uh, organization but that means Lionheart I guess has to support yes. people internationally and how great it was it is that you've been able to support people yeah and surveyors in Ukraine absolutely yes families moving that's really effectively what it is so families moving either from one part of Ukraine to another or moving families out of Ukraine and resettling elsewhere 
yeah so it's usually an emergency emergency grants um i'm not sure whether there are any longer term grants there there may well be i know about the emergency ones we've had a few yeah and they're still available obviously they'll always be available yeah mm. yeah and so so we talked about you know, the mental health but there's also some more practical things as well aren't oh yeah there? Yeah, so there's things like, so there's coaching, which is really, really great if you're a position where you're not sure about something or you are facing a challenge that you can't get over or you're struggling with something that's not, not mental health issue, but it's more, I don't know where to go with my career or mm. I don't know, I want to ask, I want to ask for a pay rise and I don't quite know how to approach it. Those kinds of things. Mm. Um, so that's and, and when and when, I was say, and when I coach people, I always refer them to Lionheart in the first right. instance, you oh, know, because you. because you've Thank got you. that 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 free resource. Yes, you know, and what, but when people need more, or it takes it to a different level, yes. or it's to do with their small business, then mm-hmm. then they you know, then, yeah. they, then they come to me, and I can I can work with them in different ways. Yeah, but I mean, I don't need to reinvent the wheel, you know. No, I mean, our coaching is much more about those personal situations rather than business coaching. Mm. Definitely, is it C- CBT? Mm. Uh, no, that would be the counselling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So you've got coaching and then counselling. Yeah, coaching is much more. Our coaching is much more action oriented, whereas the um, counselling, depending on what type you have, and we do offer CBT, um, is is less like that. You see what I mean? Um, So yeah. So there's the coaching and the counselling, and then there's legal advice. So um, we offer about about an hour. I think is free legal advice on any legal issue could be family law could be criminal law could be I don't know employment employment law yeah any kind of legal legal issue you have Um, and then we also offer support for people who are looking to either well to get back into work either they've been made redundant or they've had a period of time out of work um, and they're looking to get back in so it's it's kind of coaching but it's more um, about your LinkedIn profile and looking at your CV, interview skills, job search, that kind of thing. And this is something that really helped me. So when I left my corporate role about four years ago, I was on the floor. I thought my career was over. And I had some surveyor friends that picked me up and, and, and dusted me off. But I did contact Lionheart. Uh, Tracy is just fabulous. Yeah. And I'm always introducing oh. people to her. So thank you, Tracy, yeah. if you're listening. Um, and yeah, and sh- you know. Um, uh, I sp- think I spoke to to Bernie, and I had mm-hmm. s- some sessions, and they, you know, helped me explore well, actually what is my career any now, you know, mm. because although we we're surveyors and we do the technical stuff, actually life throws all sorts of curveballs um, yeah. at you. And even though I, you know, I only did it for you know a, a month or, or two, it was enough to give me that breathing space to get my head together to then move on to to the next thing. Right. What um, you know, over the the, the years so you've been what was it 13 so years now at Lionheart only 11 uh, 11 yeah so yeah. what changes have you seen in that time you know are there any trends oh, with what surveyors need support for then and perhaps what's what's different now yeah I think so I think um well gosh what hasn't changed is probably an easier question um but yeah, everything has changed really. How people access that support. So a lot of support now is accessed online. Um, a lot of the support that we offer is proactive rather than reactive. 
So all of our webinars, I would say that's what they're for. They're, they're much more proactive. They're how to sidestep issues or how to deal with them if they come up rather than, oh, gosh, now yeah. I've got an issue. What am I going to do? I know I'll phone the helpline. So that's changed. I think the conversation around mental health has really changed massively. And I can remember speaking to a corporate, oh, I don't know how many years ago it would be, probably not that many, probably only about four or five years ago. Um, I having this conversation and I sort of was talking about mental health and about our mental health um, webinars and the symposium. And this, <laughs> this person in this corporate went, well, we don't have any of that here. And I said, what, you, your employees don't have minds then? They don't, what? <laughs> just thought it was really interesting. So that has, huge, that has changed massively. People are willing to at least acknowledge that, they're, that people have mental health, be it good or bad. Whereas that person literally said, we don't have any of that. <laughs> Do you find that's a generational thing? Um, do you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe more young people. Are, I, th I think certainly what I would consider to be young people. So I don't know, up to the age of I'm getting a bit older now. So I think young people are under 30. <laughs> I certainly think young people are more willing to acknowledge and talk about their own mental health. I think a lot of people that are older than that are happy to talk about other people's and to listen to other yeah. people talk about their mental health. But I still think there's a sort of a, a tendency to hold back in talking about our own and how we are. Um, they might be really supportive of somebody who's, you know, talking about their own experiences and challenges and their mental health. But having that courage to acknowledge that you have your own and that you have struggled. Yeah, I think there is still that there. Whereas I think young people don't have that. They're quite happy to say, oh, yeah, I was really anxious about that or whatever it's it's a different world we yeah. didn't have mobile phones no when we absolutely <laughs> i know do you find that there's a um a difference or a split between corporates activity and involvement and small businesses or or people who work for themselves and and contact the helpline um do you know i would be the wrong person to ask that you would probably need be needing to ask the support services team um rather than me um I don't know. The I, I say no I say idea. that because I see I see a lot of activity and engagement with the corporate firms, like the, the mm. cycling and golf things that yes. you mentioned. And I guess with a corporate, it's always easier to organise oh, yeah. some of those mm -hmm. events because they've got the resources, the people. Well, they've got an infrastructure to be able infrastructure, to do it. Yeah, they? yeah, to do that. Um, but when it comes to surveyors who work by themselves and. Mm. I work with lots of surveyors um, who run small businesses. And, a, uh, and this was a bit of a surprise for me. And it's a, quite a, a sad thing to see or to experience. But a lot of surveyors are lonely. Right. And loneliness is, it's a horrible thing that you, yeah. you can't shake. I mean, you know, most of us have experienced some of that in some way, shape or form over the two years of the, the pandemic yeah. for forced reasons. But when you work for yourself and you're in your own business, you don't necessarily have that infrastructure, that support network of course, for anybody yes. to, to talk to. And, mm. you know, through the coaching that, that I do, 
you know, most of them are men, obviously, because that's yeah. the, just the way the demographics um, are at the moment. But, but there is a thread of just being able to appreciate having the space to talk. Yeah, right. And, you know, we can, in, if we sat down and said, we're going to have a mental health catch up, people wouldn't do it. No. If you create the opportunity in the right way, mm. you know, then and then give people that space, build that that trust you know then then people feel like they've they've got some somewhere yeah to talk. absolutely but over the past sort of you know past four years as I've worked with small business surveyors um you know but then you know as, when I think about actually other surveyors that I've come across or, or people who reach out to me for can I just ask a question Marion mm-hmm. uh, there's a real sense actually of loneliness and feeling isolated that they don't have people to talk to or about serious things or something that they're they're struggling with and that's why I think the Lionheart helpline and support mm. is is so vital that you can contact yeah. someone you can reach and it has out happened. so that we have it doesn't had get, people you know they just phone once we have had people that have just phoned once just want someone to talk to and they have the one conversation and they go away they just wanted to talk to someone about whatever it was they had on their mind um, and that's absolutely fine you know just because you phone once you, we don't expect you to phone again if you don't want to that's that's entirely up to you but we have been talking internally about about that kind of thing about you know we support people as individuals but actually there are a lot of commonalities between those people that are having that support and sort of thinking for the future is there a way that Lionheart can create these safe spaces potentially online for people like that who then you know they know it's a safe space and they know the other people there are experiencing the same sorts of things as they are um so it's interesting to you say that because those are the kinds of conversations we've been having internally about well what's next what do we do next what can we think of for next so yeah and, and build, building communities building communities or those safe spaces is an interesting journey that you know and I've been on that journey <laughs> yeah. for, for a couple of years um and some things work and, and some things don't mm. um it, you know and you can create these spaces but it doesn't mean people are going to show up no absolutely you've still got that awareness piece. oh yeah and really it's all about engagement you know how mm. do you entice people in how do you encourage yes. them how do you feel you know make them feel um comfortable but I'm very much a fan of creating your own network Mm. And I think, uh, and I think this is covered in one of the webinars, actually, um, the online webinars, because I used to deliver some webinars for, for mm-hmm. Lionheart a few, uh, Lionheart a few years ago, you know, but be able to create your own network of support yeah. and just being aware of that, where the gaps are, who you need, mm. what you need, what that looks like. You know, if you think about, you know, financial support and advice, well, that can range from anything to listening to a money mindset yeah, podcast absolutely. or mm. following someone on TikTok on how to, you know, make a budget for food yeah. meal planning work, all the way through to speaking to Lionheart on help with budgeting and planning and that the, the emergency grants and the finance mm-hmm. support. So it's recognizing that there are things that you can do for yourself. Yeah. And then going finding some of that for or just make a note of it for when and if you ever, ever need it. Mm. you know but it's quite empowering to it's a difficult thing to do it's quite empowering to know that you're in control and you can yeah. go and do it rather than wait for somebody to oh absolutely you. yeah no that's right that's absolutely true and I think probably because we're in the kind of work we, we're in 
we know we know that and we know we know that we can find those resources and that we kind of what's the word deserve in inverted commas that those things and that we should be nurturing ourselves and looking after ourselves like that but i don't know whether you know the people that you're talking about and and just people out there i suppose in 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 the industry whether they're as open to that as we might be you know i mean we're we're women of a particular age do you know what i mean <laughs> I, I don't know do, whether I, I do and you know but it's like it's like i remember when um when my kids were little and neither of them slept until they were three and I remember some helpful people saying to me, Marion, you need to sleep when the baby sleeps. Right. And I just wanted to say, expletive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sleep when the baby bloody sleeps. And this is the thing, you've got to be ready to hear it. And, yeah. you know, and we can say, look after yourself, get exercise, you know, yeah, um, fresh exactly. air, hydration is really key to Everybody your, your could write an essay and pass couldn't they yeah we yeah, could all exactly. pass a GCSE in it but actually do we do it hmm. and it's that again it's <laughs> that motivation of what what's going to make you do it yeah and but what are the blockers and and often that's the mindset of how we feel about ourselves the support yes. that we've got someone to help us you know reframe something um mm. and just noticing the the resistance to it yeah and I think if the, the place where you work is important in that so if the place oh, where you work is is sort of encouraging you to be looking after yourself and to be nurturing to yourself and all of those things and you're more likely to do it but if you're in a small business and they don't have that infrastructure for a start and they don't have that that's not the culture it must be incredibly difficult well I get I guess you know there are big firms out there actually who don't have that culture well that's true or that, and there's a big difference between <laughs> yeah. doing well-being and being well you know is 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 quite different and so you can have Mm -hmm. all the you know fruit baskets delivered and gym membership as part of your employment but it's not going to make anyone necessarily do it and so it does come back down to the to the culture and I guess no matter what size of business you are whether you work for yourself or your big corporate you know you have to prioritize yes you've got to be proactive about and unless you make it a priority it yeah. just doesn't it doesn't happen no. it yeah really, well it happens really to happen. you rather than with you at the at the driving seat of mm. it that's that's what you, you you talked about um you know things that are sort of coming in the in the future and new mm-hmm. trends and, and things that you're seeing something that's you know heavily on my radar is uh, neurodiversity yeah mm-hmm. and the more surveyors that I speak to the more I talk about it more people come forward and say yeah I think I uh, I might have this or um, actually thanks for talking about that or Mm. you know and and I'm seeing it an awful lot in surveyors which quite which surprised me is that something that you're seeing or or yeah support in any way yeah it is Um, and it's something we've been doing some work on trying to well trying to find out some exploratory work really trying to find out well one are we right in that and and is is it how we see it that it's people not that it's that it's happening more or or it's more prevalent but just more people are a a bit like mental health I suppose people are more prepared to talk about it so that's the first thing but the second thing is well what can we do 
And the first thing we can do is share experiences, get people to share their experience, like we have with the mental health ambassadors. So I think we are recruiting. I don't know if we are recruiting now or whether we have recruited or it's in the future, but certainly something we've talked about is finding ambassadors who are who are neurodiverse, who will talk about their experience to encourage other people um, and to just build awareness, really. And in terms of services, I guess they come out of the conversations that we have with those people um, about well, what would help you, what could help you. What kinds of things would you need in order to, um, in order to help you in your journey as a as a chartered surveyor or as a surveyor in the industry? Yeah, you know, what abso- can we abso- add? absolutely, and that's where I think the counselling and coaching can really help because, you know, when um, so I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, earlier this year, so right. that was a surprise to me. It's wow. still a, a learning journey, mm-hmm. but there's sort of three ways to approach it there's um your medication is is one route um there is coaching um Mm -hmm. and the the support you know having someone to check in reframe Mm -hmm. um, all of those things and then there's the well-being learning how to look after yourself right you know and when I when I think about you know how did I get to 47 (laughs) and now I I learn all of this and there's there's quite um an influx or a an opening of uh, women who are being diagnosed later because of it presents very differently for young oh, right. girls than, than boys. Um, but then I realized, well, you know, actually the, the, certainly the last 10 years, I've done a lot of personal development. I've right. done a lot of work coaching, I trained as a coach and all of that has actually been helping me. And, and yeah. what I find with people who are neurodiverse or discover it later is they've got all of these coping strategies and they can perform really well, but then sometimes something just flips, whether it's yeah. pregnancy, you know, whether it's a change of job, you know, time of life, whatever, something just, just turns on that network of support can fall down because you've been working so hard to, to keep it up. Mm. So it's something that I definitely see a lot of. Um, uh, and the, you know, you know I, I spoke to a, a young female surveyor uh, just yesterday, actually, who reached out and said, "I heard you mention this, Marion." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had to chat with, right. with her about it because could, I could and share my experiences and pointed her in sort of different directions. And you know, you don't always need to have medication. You don't always need to um, tell your employer, even if you don't want to. No. But by being mm. open with your employer if you're in that situation, means that they can actually attempt to help you. Absolutely, yeah. The problem often is, is that you don't know what you need yet. And so they say, well, Mm. help, tell me what you want and I'll help you. And you say, I don't know, I'm just struggling with work. Yeah, right. And it becomes really, Mm. really hard. So, you know, talking to another person, Mm. you know, perhaps through Lionheart can really help people just take those next steps and yeah. feel like you're you're moving forward but it's something I definitely see a lot of and it came about actually through the podcast I think I I got to like podcast episode 25 and and I think half of the people I'd interviewed had said yeah I've got dyslexia or I've right. got you know wow. some neurodiverse challenge really thought, gosh and that's what started me on my journey just mm, to thinking right oh, is it me <laughs> <laughs> the, way that, wow. the way that I do things so um and, and but you know through other people talking about it gave me the you know the um, motivation 
and encouragement to yeah, go of course, and, and, that's and it. explore. That's, if you see other people comfortable talking about it, then it makes you more comfortable talking about it. That's that's what our ambassadors are about. It doesn't matter what kind of ambassador they are, whether they're about mental health or about APC, or you know, if we have um, ambassadors in the future talking about neurodiversity, that that's what they're for. It's so that people can say, oh yeah, it is all right to talk about it. Nothing terrible is going <laughs> to happen to me, and all I'm going to get probably is a lot of support. I mean, it's like you, you said right at the start of the conversation, you said something about the people. And that's it, isn't it? The people in, this, in, in the industry you work in are people, people. They really are. Well, you have to be to do the job, don't you? Because that's what you spend your time doing is, is talking to people. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what the ambassadors are all about. That's what Lionheart's all about. It's what you're all about. <laughs> Yeah, I just on that as a as a as a final. Well, no, I just talk on this podcast because I've got someone to talk to, Davina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lonely surveyor. Don't you know? <laughs> uh, just on, just on that uh, that last point about people. Can I ask you about? Um, you know, we've talked about the people that work in the in Lionheart as a as an organisation as a as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to almost sort of live your values, haven't you, as a as a business owner? You know, oh, you're yeah. promoting well-being, mm-hmm. mental health, and looking after yourself, and all yes. those things. You know, how uh, how do you find that uh, in bringing that into your into your business? Because sometimes I see on LinkedIn or social media, I think you all had an away day recently. Or yeah, I can't remember if it looked like you were in. It was in yesterday. Snow. I, can't, I can't remember. That's it. You know, yeah. But how do yeah, you yeah. how do you bring that in? Because I know there are other surveying businesses out there who'll be thinking well, how do I do this? You know, yes, we can have a webinar on mental health, but how do we be well, you know, wow. rather than do well-being? Mm. But, and because your business, you, you have to do that. Practice what you preach, right? Well, you've got to believe it. That's the first, that's key. You've got to actually believe it. You can't just say it. You can't just, you know, come up with a set of values that you just think up and then that's it. You, you've got your values. No, no, you've got to actually believe it. And the way we did it was we, it was the staff team got together we were facilitated to choose our values together so we chose our values we've got four um and they are absolutely integral to absolutely everything we do so every decision we make every supervision we have every conversation about strategy we have every board meeting they get talked about you know they're, they're sort of woven through the organization um and I, Hopefully, every member of staff knows them off by heart. Well, they, they do. I know they do. Um, and we just, that's how you do it. You've got to, I'd say the thing is you've got to believe in them. You've got to actually own them yourself. Um, and, yeah, they're just, they're so important to us, our values, that I can't imagine Lionheart without them, really. Um, and they, they are, they describe our culture and how we want it to be, but they're also a reflection. So there's sort of an aspiration as well as a reflection at the same time. That sounds a bit wishy-washy, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they, they're integral to who we are. And that's what and that's, yesterday and that's was the all thing, about. you know, we can have, you know, company values. Yeah. And you just think, oh, it's marketing, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm. But when you all come together to make the plan happen, 
it gives mm. you that sort of that north star that reason for doing it absolutely you're, does you're accountable to each other and and, and i tend to yes. think when something goes wrong it's because there's something somewhere that is not aligned with your values. absolutely yes it's that's trigger. right if it and doesn't it's feel right to back to. look yeah. at your values and think well which one of these is it not is not working or is it not is it not aligning to and it will yeah usually you can figure it out what's you know what we're doing wrong here oh it's yeah we're not being professional or we're not you know we're not being compassionate or whatever whatever your values are you know yeah yeah we went yesterday we, we were doing axe throwing oh I don't know if you've ever done it. it was amazing it was I was rubbish and it didn't really matter if you were rubbish it was great didn't matter because it was just such a good laugh throwing an axe if you didn't never... get it in it didn't matter <laughs> I've never come across like an away day with axes. I've done one with horses, wow. which is quite uh, quite interesting. Um, and then all the usual, you know, make something out of spaghetti and marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, axes is a is a new one to be there. I'd recommend it. I would. Mm. <laughs> Look, it's been really lovely to to catch up with you and get to know you. And I know people listening will have will have got a lot from our conversation. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's been lovely and and far less painful than I thought. I thought, oh God, I haven't revised. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, you're not scary you. at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not remotely. <laughs> I'll take care, Davina. Thanks Brilliant. so much. Thank so. you. So thanks for listening. I hope you found this podcast really helpful. Um, If you want to take a look at the Lionheart website, you'll find all the details in the show notes, but the website is lionheart.org.uk. And I hope that's helpful and I look forward to seeing you next time.